NBA report. We got a we got a full docket today. Okay, we got to go through some. We got to talk about the Paris game. We got to talk about the Mavs versus the Knicks. We got to talk about the blowout losses around the league, and then we got some midseason questions. And, and who better to help me answer all these questions than my guy Andrew Salop, the one-two combo, back at it again. Make sure to lock in, stay tuned, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to share the links to all these videos. Make sure to support our sponsor, Prize Picks. Use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. Andrew, my man, how you feeling today? How about them Bucks? Oh my God, here we go. The Bucks, the Celtics. <laughs> I, I knew as soon as he, I was like, I was, I was, I was like, look, scoreboard watching as I was getting ready for the next <laughs> Mavs game, and I was like, if this guy doesn't ask me some sort of question about the Bucks. <laughs> beating the brakes off the Celtics. And then to find out that the starters got rested in the second half, I was like, whoo. I never, I never do the thing on X. They call it X now where like, it's like a direct message, but not a direct message. It's just like the at first. Yeah. I, yeah. I rarely do that, but I had to do it with you. You know, how about them bucks? <laughs> I still don't believe Andrew. I still don't believe as my response. Okay. I don't okay. believe, but okay. Hey, we're going to, we're going to talk about those losses in, in a bit, but let's start off with this Paris game first, man, because mm-hmm. You know, this is the league getting back into it, having international games. You know, the last one they did was in Mexico, which was back in 2019. They go out to Paris. We know it's for, uh, we got, we got Victor Wembanyama in the league. We have the Paris Olympics coming up. So what better way to get the league back involved than going out to Paris? So you have the Cleveland Cavaliers defeating the Brooklyn Nets, which is strange. Like you would think that they wanted to have Victor Wembeyama out here if they're going to go back to Paris, but hey, it is what it is. But you have the Cavs beating the Nets. Mitchell going un- scoring over 40 points again. This is a 16th 40-point game in just the last two seasons. What did you think about this game, Andrew? Well, I like the idea of it because not only we're gearing towards the Olympics in Paris, right? But also, it's kind of like the in-season tournament thing where it's obviously not a regular, regular season game, and it gives everybody a little extra motivation. And we see that Donovan Mitchell had that extra motivation this game. 44 points, just incredible. And I think this allows the league to get to that place where eventually they will have teams in Europe. I see it happening, man. And I think this is just the beginning of stages of that. The real beginning stages of that was the 1992 Olympics. But I think this is, we're going more and more to having actual NBA teams in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised about it. I mean, the, we even hear about a potential expansion team in Mexico City, right? And the right. that's just Adam Silver's mindset is to make this more of an international game, make it worldwide. I mean, we have the league over in Africa as well. So... I, I I agree with you where it's just Silver trying to make this more of an international game more than anything else. And it's already become an international game, right? You I mean, we t- look at the top MVP caliber uh, candidates for the season. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. Uh, you got Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic. They're all up there. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all MVP caliber candidates. They're all from another country. And it's you can even add uh Shea Gilders Alexander from Canada as well, right? Right. So right. all these guys are international. The game is becoming more international. And this is just a good way to get more exposure for the league. When I watch this game though, and I'm watching the Cavs, they are hanging on by a thread, thanks to Donovan Mitchell, man. That's that's all I could think of when I when I watch this game. I mean, 45 points yesterday, absolutely insane. And sure, you get Karis Levert with with 21 points. 
that he poured in as well. And you had Jared Allen with 12 points and 12 rebounds, solid double-double. This, this Cavs team is needs to get Garland and Mobley back to really get back into the full swing of things because right now they are, if I'm checking the standings right, I believe that they are fourth or fifth right now in the NBA. They are fifth. They are fifth in the Eastern Conference right now, 22 and 15, hanging on by a thread in my opinion because you need a lot of these Donovan Mitchell-type performances. And what are your thoughts about the Cavs? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why these Donovan Mitchell trade rumors are bubbling up because they have absolutely no chance. It feels like this year with all the injuries and the defensive issues that they had in the playoffs last season, you saw your when your New York Knicks played against them. Um, it's just a struggle when your defense has two smaller guards and then there's no really wing depth, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they always had their issues, but with all those injuries, it feels like they should go back into a soft rebuild and kind of build around Darius Garland and hopefully Mobley, Mobley becomes better offensively so they could build around those two guys in the right way. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell is quite that for them. I think he's a way better fit on other teams and not the, um, he's not even on their timeline age wise. I think like, I think, you know, the timeline's a little bit younger. So I'd like to see the Cavs move off of Donovan Mitchell and trade him to a contender where he could really show his stuff in the playoffs because it doesn't look like they're going to do anything in the playoffs this season. Yeah, I mean, this team, it's, like I said, man, they're hanging on by a thread. You just had Ricky Rubio, who, you know, just retired from the game, which was a little bit of a surprise. I thought, I, I think opinion. he just doesn't want to play in America anymore. I yeah. think he just wants to go home. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that's what I get from it, too. And now you talk about lack of point guard depth, because right behind Donovan Mitchell, who's they're technically their starting point guard for this team, it's Craig Porter. So, like yeah. I said, you need you need a lot from this team. To keep going on. And I guess we could touch quickly on the Brooklyn Nets. Man, talk about a team that I don't know how you solve what they have because it's Cam Johnson, Bridges, and Nick Claxton. That's about it. I don't know how you really rebuild that team moving forward. I know they got draft picks, but this is a team that really has to look through the draft if they're really going to build around Bridges. Maybe these two teams make a trade. What's the trade that you're thinking? Well, Donovan Mitchell, I think, would be nice on this Nets team. I don't know. You know, and it feels like the Nets have a lot of wing depth. feels like they have a bunch of versatile guys that could run up and down. Some of them could shoot threes. Um, and that's the position. You know, Okoro, his shooting is such a key when it comes to the Cavs. Like, if he could really shoot the ball, I mean, he'd be a perfect fit on this team. But the offensive struggles are still apparent for him. So maybe you could bring in some of the Nets' depth in to the Cavs locker room and then ship out Donovan Mitchell. So who you, some go ahead. Who, who, who are you trading though from the Nets to like, so if you're the Cavs and you're going to move a coral just to bring in somebody, who are you moving? Because the, if you got to match salary, he's making 8.9 million. So anybody that's close to it would be like a Dorian Finney Smith, a Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, you know, if you want Cam Thomas, on the Cavs, you would have to give up more, and he would fit that timeline with, you know, uh, Garland, Mobley. But I don't see the Nets want to move off Cam Thomas anytime soon. So wait, yeah. this is where I look at the this is where I look at the Nets, and I'm like, they have a lot of picks. They got 15 picks in total, a lot of first rounders. If they want to really add some depth, yeah, you could trade a lot of those picks, but I would think that you'd have to get rid of Cam Johnson 
in the process if you're getting anyone in return? Or is there somebody else on the Nets that you're thinking that they can move? Well, I don't even like the fit with Cam Thomas for the Nets because I think they need more versatility around Darius Garland. Like, Cam Thomas is just a straight scorer, mm -hmm. and his weaknesses aren't good enough yet to allow, I feel like, a GM to think that he's going to be a winning player on a winning team. Now, he's one of the most dynamic scorers in the NBA, and that sounds crazy with all the star talent, but that guy could really score the basketball at a high level. But I think he does have a lot of improvement areas to be a key piece to a winning team. And I think at this point, you want to bring in some winning players. I think Lonnie Walker could be a nice piece for the Cavs. Mm. I like, you know, I like Lonnie Walker. Um, who else? Cam Johnson. But I don't, that's one person I don't think the Nets would move off of. But that would be a nice fit, you know? It's him He's, and Bridges for that, for that Nets. Oh, Bridges. Team. I mean, Bridges is untouchable, I think, at this point, right? He is, but. And you see he's struggling just because he's being thrust into that 1A role for this Nets team, and he hasn't had to do that. And you mm -hmm. see that's why his numbers are like up, like I've been all up and down over the last few games. And that's just going to take a lot more work because he's the guy that everyone focuses in on. And outside of Dinwiddie who can control the rock, yeah, you got Cam Thomas who can control the rock and just score, and it can be that microwave score off your bench. There's not really anybody else on this Nets team that I say, you know what? This is how we can fully build around Bridges. And he's 27 years old, so I don't even know how you can start building around a guy that's 27 and you got to go through the draft. It just kind of feels like they shouldn't really make Bridges untouchable. They should actually move Bridges and really reset this thing even further <laughs> to start building around somebody else, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not going to be Ben Simmons, probably. No, who, who wants Ben Simmons, man? Come on now. That's... You, know, you know what this Nets... You know how I... Uh... We all about this Nets team, and it's the same argument you could make for the Lakers. Like, on some days, it feels like if you look at the roster, they have a lot of depth, and then you look at the roster on other days. just depends on how you feel. Like, like this team has no depth. Because sometimes you just, like, look at the names on paper, like Spencer Didwitty, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, an improving player. You know, Lonnie Walker, solid. Like, plays really well when I watch him with the Nets. But then, like, just how talented this league is, it's it's not enough. When we see teams like the Timberwolves and OKC and yep. some of these teams with like elite depth, like it feels like depth on paper. But then when you really look at around the league, it's not that much depth. It's not. And that's why they're 16 and 22. And Nick Claxton's another guy that would be that has name value. Around but not really for the Cavs account. because they have bigs already. Not for the Cavs. though. yeah, yeah not for yeah. the Cavs. But I don't know if I'm the Nets. I'm looking to. You know, this is what happened when you had Katie, Kyrie, and everybody else come through the Nets, man. They had a nice young core they could have they could have really built with with Joe Harris, D'Lo, uh, Jared Allen, but man, I think they I think they really need to reset this one more time because I don't see how you build around bridges unless you're looking to move Quaxon. I don't know why you'd want to move Quaxon. He's a solid center for that team. You know how I feel about this team, the word that describes them? What? Cultureless. Cultureless. That's a good they just They just don't have any identity. Like, what are they? Yeah, it just kind of feels like they like, go out like, there and they like, just play basketball. Like, me and you are a little bit critical when it comes to Tibbs, but they have a culture. Yeah, for sure. You know? Like, they have a culture. Like, you know what you're going to get out of Tibbs and the Knicks and their two best players, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's a lot of their identity. With Like, the Nets, what is their identity? I don't know. I, like, I like Vaughn as a head coach, but I think you need the players to to create that, right? And I think he likes to do a lot of the... You see, he likes to do a lot of um, movement-type style offense, right? Like call plays, call set plays, have these guys like while the ball is like, say, in Bridges' hands, guys setting backdoor screens, guys doing curls, trying to get open looks. But you need high-level 
higher level talent in order to start creating that type of culture. You know what I mean? I, I just don't, I and don't you know see that. You know, what's crazy. Like a lot of it was like, if the Nets all stayed healthy, you know, they would have a great chance just because of all that talent. But it was almost like the Suns thing. Like they have great top end talent, but they didn't have a great culture either. Like when I think of culture, I think of the heat. Now the Spurs are tanking now, but I do believe they're a great culture team and the Warriors are taking now. I'm not doing well now, but I look at them as a team with great culture. Like it's going to be interesting how the Nets develop culture moving forward, especially being like the second team in the city. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Like look, you see the, what the Clippers, like they struggle to find culture because they're the second team in their city. For sure. And shout out to Fuzzy Flex in the chat. He says the Nets are confused. And trust me, when I watch that team, I'm confused too, as what direction they're going in. Mm-hmm. I'm confused as well. But let's go on to the next game, Andrew. We got my beloved New York Knicks facing the Dallas Mavericks. Ooh. And this was a game, not gonna lie. I was a little confident. I was a little, I was a little confident in the Knicks. I'm like, oh no, Luka Doncic. They, they, they're, they're missing uh, you know, they're missing a lot of the stars. They're mi mi missing Exum, they're missing Derek Lively. And I'm thinking, okay, three stars are out. The Knicks should have a chance to come win this game. But the Knicks started slow. Mavs were able to go and 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 take their food in the first quarter. You had Josh Green not missing a shot. Same thing with Kyrie Irving, Tim Hardaway Jr. just firing away from three and knocking it down. You know he always has some some feelings when he sees that orange and blue step on the court. So Mavericks just ran away within the first quarter. The Knicks would fight back. They gave a valiant effort, but the Mavs were able to do just enough, especially in under a minute to go where. They got three offensive rebounds to prevent the Knicks from get going, uh, trying to get a bucket on the, uh, trying to get a bucket. So good win for the Dallas Mavericks hurts as a Knicks fan, but this Mavs team, man, without Luca, it was just like Kyrie Irving's just so impressive. Just, oh. I, I know it's, it's just, it's like saying the sky is blue, grass is green, what, what not, but he is honestly one of the most skilled basketball players I have ever watched in the league. Like, Probably AI was another guy that you could throw up there with just like skill wise, just how he can get to the rack, score at all three levels and so forth. But Kyrie's just, in my opinion, it's just another level the way he can do it. I think Allen Iverson was a better basketball player, but I would also say I believe Kyrie, Ir Kyrie Irving is more skillful than Allen Iverson, right? Like, yeah, Allen Iverson dragged that team to the Eastern Conference finals on his own back. Do I think Kyrie could do that? Probably not. But when you just looked about, looked at, at what you alluded to, like, the three-level scoring, he has every option you could think of and then all the options you can't even think of as a finisher around the rim. Like, just everything, everything you need. It's almost, like, boring for him when he gets around the rim. Like, he could do whatever he wants. Three-level score, a really great shooter. Like, he's probably underrated as a shooter, and he's underrated as a movement shooter. Could come off curls when he wants. Yep. Whatever, like, has he pulled with the right? Has he pulled with the left? Any dribble combination. Definitely the most skillful guard in the NBA. Now, SGA is... If he keeps trending in this direction, the bag that he has around the rim and with the basketball and the three-point start, like, he's trending towards that direction, but Kyrie Irving is still the most skillful guard in the NBA, and then Jokic is the most skillful big. For sure. Jokic is the most skillful big. Kyrie Irving the most skillful, skillful guard. I don't know, man. There's just something about Kyrie that is just like, it's just insane that, you know, he went 15 for 26 last night, and... Just him. If you leave him on an island, he can get anything from anywhere, man. Whether it's just a pull-up jumper, whether it's attacking, finishing around the rim. It is just, I, I, 
it just I'm just always in awe when I get to watch Kyrie Irving play mm-hmm. because I don't think I can like Luca, very dominant player. He moves at his own pace, so does Kyrie. But Luca uses Luca's not the fastest guy, but he knows how to use his strength and his body to finish at different angles and and hit tough shots. Kyrie just has this ability to use his body, stop and go, change speed mm-hmm. on a dime, mm-hmm. all of that, and just every shot I was watching, it just felt like it was just nothing but net every single time. Too, too easy, right? It too just easy. feels too easy when I watch him play. And that's why I'm like, I don't think I've seen somebody make the game look that like Steph makes it look easy, but Kyrie, because Steph, one of the greatest three point shooters to ever play the game, one of the best players to play the game, too. But when you got to watch Kyrie Irving, the way that he can use his handles just to get anywhere on the court, it's just, it's otherworldly. All right. I know you say I go off topic a lot, but I was thinking about this today. You mentioned okay. Steph Curry. This is a little bit off topic, but has Steph Curry has has he ever been as good as Jokic is right now? When you say as good as like Jokic, now they're totally like, now they're they're totally different players, obviously, right? But I'm for just sure. Saying, but are you saying like complete like facilitating basket, basketball player, like the complete player like Jokic is? This guy went. No, this guy, I, don't, I don't think I've said, guy, I can't. Yo, I don't this think guy I, had shooting splits of hundred, 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 <laughs> and and went, and went for a triple double. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could say that Steph is like in that same like complete basketball player as Jokic because was he more impactful? Well, you, Warriors, felt, you felt like he was more impactful. Who is Steph? Like on with the winning? Like, what do you think? Yeah, he's definitely very impactful. I mean, you have to guard him at. at as True. soon as he steps across half court, you got to guard him. That's very impactful. You know what I mean? Right, I, it's right. not necessarily impactful. When I think of like how the Warriors play their game, like can Steph create for others? Sure. Is he asked to do that night in and night out? No, because that's what they asked Draymond to do. When they had Sean Livingston, they asked Sean Livingston to do that. When they had Andre Iguodala, they had asked Andre to do that too. Like they really were that, when I think of positionless basketball, they're like that moniker for positionless basketball. Right. Just when they were at their championship, like the beginning of their championship phase. And so Steph, even though he does a lot for this team, he wasn't asked to do everything that you would necessarily think of a point guard to do. But when I think of Jokic as like a complete player, like he can do it all. You know what I mean? Like I think of him like facilitating, rebounding, scoring wise. Right. I I don't, I won't put that. And are you trying to go with, with that for Kyrie too? Is that where you're trying to throw? Is that where you're leading me? No, I just like when you mentioned Steph Curry, I was kind of thinking about like how good Jokic is at this very moment because I think he's so much better than the rest of the NBA and the gap is widening. I can agree with that. I just think like as a as a more full complete basketball player, I think that's cuz they ask Jokic to do everything. He's you know the engine. I mean? like, you know, Draymond is kind of the engine for those a lot of those Warriors teams. And that's what I'm saying like Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to like thinking about Steph, like he's impacted and changed the game for sure, but on a night to night basis, like he's not. Can he drag asked a team? To do like, everything. He's not. And I like, like Jokic is asked to do everything. And even yeah. when you watch last night's game for Kyrie Irving, Kyrie was asked to do essentially everything for that team. Like he was passing, he can get the boards, he can push the break, he yeah. can score when he needs to. I would say that Kyrie's, especially like when you watch last night, Kyrie can be asked. And has shown that he can do do it. I, I don't. I wouldn't say like he did with LeBron because it was obviously a LeBron team. 
Brooklyn, he at stretches was asked to do it. But if you're asking like on a night to night basis, who, who, who demonstrates it at a high consistent level, it's Jokic and nobody else. Yeah. 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 I think the level that Jokic is playing at right now, even though everybody appreciates him because he just won a championship, it's probably not appreciated enough. It's kind of go, it's kind of like, you know how the Miami heat go into the radar every year. It's like, this kind of goes under the radar a little bit of how much better he is than the rest of the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But staying on this Mavs Knicks game, <laughs> staying on this Mavs Knicks game, with the Mavericks winning this one, they're 23 and 16, right? You look at them where they are in the standings in the Western Conference, and they are they're right now in the play in their seventh right now, 23 and 16. You got a stacked Western Conference, a lot of good teams that are winning right now. You got the Pelicans, Kings, Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder, and Wolves, uh, who are all in that top six. Mavs are just a half game behind the Pelicans uh, for the sixth spot. When you watch this Mavericks team, do you think that this is a team that could go to the NBA Finals? Are you are you convinced? I still don't think there's enough around Luka for them to win a championship. Go to the West, maybe, possibly, but I don't think that this team is built well enough to get to that level, in my opinion. Now, Kyrie is great, but I just think, you know, Tim Hardaway is a really nice player, right? But with the depth around the league, as we already talked about, I just don't think there's enough for them to win a championship. Now, I think Pascal is a great fit on this team, or even a Jeremy Grant, and I think that takes them over the hunch and gives Luka enough for them to win a championship this season. Yeah, I just, like, it's very top-heavy when I look at this team with Kyrie and Luka, and we were talking about it with SVNDR when he was on the show with thinking about Siakam for the Mavs. That would be a great addition for that team because I look at that power forward position. I think that's like you can upgrade at that position. And then I think you get into the next stratosphere of really competing in the West and potentially being in a Western Conference final. What? I don't know, man. Just the depth of this Mavericks team is just really weird. I mean, mm hmm. You got Derek Jones Jr. playing power forward. Exum, who's had a who's had a nice uh revitalized career. Yeah, you know? and those guys are doing everything they're asked yeah. of. You know, they, they are. Josh yeah. Green had a really good game last night. Tim Hardaway, like he's a good player. He could be hit or miss. Jaden Hardy, still need to see more on him. Seth Curry. I feel like Seth Curry's just fall falling falling. I feel bit. like they, they don't give him opportunity anymore, though. I mean no, and they're looking at Jaden Hardy, right? They want to make sure that he gets they get he he is gets talented. Jaden Hardy's talented, really yeah, talented. You, yeah, you got Dwight Powell, Grant Williams. It's just an interest. It's a the team is constructed in an interesting manner, and I'm just yeah. It's like and it's, it's more so like Luca, right? And it's like the way Luca is, like as a player, like he playing point guard. It really throws, I guess, some things off in how that the rest of the team is designed, but. I don't know. There's just yeah, it's it's like you're the LeBron a lot thing. Of Kyrie and Luke on a night to night basis. Yeah, it's like the LeBron thing. You got to build it in a certain way, right? Around LeBron, and it's similar. Yeah, you know, with Luca, I would also say like they're playing more in transition this year, which really helped their offense. And Luca is playing more defense this season and mm -hmm. took it even to another level on offense. So they really need to make a win now move, in my opinion. I think they should try and bring in Jer Jeremy Grant or Pascal Siakam if they can to bring in that wing that they really need and to throw at some of the other, some of the league's best players, right? The wings around me. Cause if they do 
if they do end up in the West against a Tatum or a Giannis or even a Jimmy Butler, you need that guy to guard those guys if you want to win a championship, no matter how Luka, no matter how good Luka is. Are you taking Siakam or are you taking Grant for this Mavericks team? You know what? I really, I think Siakam's a better basketball player, but, and I think that's Siakam's best fit, right? Like, out of all the teams, I want to see him with the Mavericks. I mean, Indiana would be okay, but I really like to see him with the Mavericks. But I do think Jeremy Grant is a better fit than Siakam because he's a better shooter. And you always want that around, you know, um, Luka, especially Luka. And then also there's more, ver there's more position versatility. Like, you could play Jeremy Grant legitimately at the five if you want, right? Yeah, so even at the three. I, exactly. So I think for the playoffs, you want those guys that are more versatile. Um, I think Jer I think Pascal is a better basketball player, but I think Jeremy fits the Mavericks better because of the shooting and the versatility. Interesting. Can you argue that you need somebody who can just get downhill pretty well on Siakam and say, like, when I look That's at fair. this team, That's when I look fair. at this team, like you got Luca and Kyrie who could just shoot anywhere on the court. Yeah, you got Timmy, who's a really good three-point shooter, but who's that guy that, like, Irving and Luka can easily get downhill to because they're such a three-level threat, but who's that guy that I look at, that you look at on this team that's like, it's kind of like the Julius Randle, the R.J. Barrett way that I look at it. It's like, who gets downhill constantly to put pressure on the rim and then opens it up for everybody else? And that's where I kind of think, like, Siaka might be that fit, even though you may want more shooting. Like, I like Grant. I think both of them would be great options for the Mavericks, but... I go back and forth in my head, Andrew, where it's like, do you need another guy who can just get out there and transition? Like, because he runs the court well, too. And for this Mavericks team, they do like to get out into the open four a lot. And Siakam could just fit right there. Yeah, and he gives you also, he gives you more of that, you know, in the playoffs and when the shot clock is going down and late game situations, you need that guy that could get his own shot. Um, even though you already have Luca and Kyrie, he's more of that than Jeremy Grant. And to your point in transition, like the Mavs have been playing more in transition than ever this season. And Kyrie's great in transition. Luca is great everywhere. He's great in transition. But if Pascal could tap into more of what he was when he was playing with Kawhi and less of the all NBA Pascal in terms of the way he plays, I think he could be a great fit for the Mavs as well. So I totally agree with you. I think him in transition would be really good for the Mavericks especially taking into the consideration the way they've been playing lately. Here, here's this, Andrew. Right now, when you look at statistics, according to NBA Advanced Stats, the Dallas Mavericks are seventh right now in the league when it comes to points off of turnovers. So you know that means they're getting out there and, and pushing the pace a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you're also getting fast breaks, fast break points. Dallas Mavericks are seventh once again, moving at... Uh, Getting averaging about 15 and a half points off of fast break points per game. This is where I look at Siakam. I feel like if you're if that's the style of play that you want to run, like that, that just kind of is his calling card. I'm not saying that Grant can't do it, but Siakam, that's just when I think Siakam, right? And especially when they won that championship, I just always think of him just running that open court, flying down like north and south. Yeah. And I think he's one of those players that could really thrive in um like heliocentric type offense where a team is revolved around one or two players. Like people said, OG could fit anywhere. Yeah, he could fit anywhere, but he's better in a system. I think with two ISO heavy guys than a read and react type offense, like the warriors or the Kings, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Pascal is a very different player, but 
in the same way he fits better next to another star, not necessarily reading and reacting, just plugging in to do what he has to do, running in transition, and then just playing off those guys like he did with Kawhi. So I do like his fit for Pascal, even though I said I like Jeremy Grant better than Pascal for the Mavericks. For Pascal, I think the Warriors is probably the best fit. Warriors and, sorry, Mavericks are the best fit. Mavericks and Indiana, but Mavericks fit his timeline and they're in title contention right now. So that's why I like the Mavericks better for Pascal. Who do you think is cheaper to get between Grant and Pascal? Oh, man. We got to look at the numbers, right? Well, I'm saying like trade, like I guess... Oh, their trade value. Yeah, trade value. Yeah, the thing is, is I don't... You know what's crazy? I think both of them have not said that they want to leave where they're at, publicly at least. And they I don't... Haven't, need, but and I, I don't... I, yeah, okay. So I don't think um Portland wants to move off of Jeremy Grant unless he says something. I was right? re See, the offseason they had reports that Grant was going to... Most likely be moved by the trade deadline this season. I mean, that could have changed, but that was like this past offseason. So you have Siakam in his last year of his deal making $37.9 million. And then you have Jeremy Grant, who's making. Well, he signed. Let's see. He has five years on his deal. He's making this season $27.6 million. So. Big difference in contract. You could talk about like a $10 million. You're talking close to a $10 million, $10 million difference. Mm -hmm. But who do you think is the, like, is it Jeremy who, Grant because he's on the losing who, team or is it Siakam because he's on a last year deal? I think um, you're, you're talking about in terms of trade value, right? Yeah, trade value. Yeah, I think Jeremy Grant actually has more trade value because he fits into more places because of the shooting. It's kind of like the Caruso DeMar DeRozan thing. Like DeMar DeRozan's clearly a better player, but there's so many more teams, I believe, buying for Caruso because of the way he fits with other star players. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that's why Jeremy Grant would have more trade value. But I also think there's less likely of a chance for Jeremy Grant to be moved than Pascal. Mm. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think Jeremy Grant with the young team, you need some veteran leadership. He's 29, though. So I don't know how much longer he wants to be on a, on a losing team. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to. Wait for Scoot, Anthony Simons. Yeah, Scoot like, looks like it. Scoot looks like it might take a while. Scoot does look like it might take a while, man. Yeah. Scoot does look like it might take a while. But let's keep this thing moving, man. Salute to the NBA Nation. Thank you all for tuning in for another and uh, another show of the NBA Report. Make sure to support our sponsor, Prize Picks, using that promo code NBAR to get up to a one hundred dollar match. Okay, Andrew. Yep. We had some bullets around the league, man. I know you're waiting. I know you're waiting for this conversation because you want to talk about your Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, you want to talk about your Milwaukee Bucks and how they beat the brakes off the Boston Celtics. Oh, the favorites! They're the title favorites, right? The Boston Celtics. They are the title favorites. They are mm. the title favorites. So let's mm. let's get into this, man, because it was a one thirty-five to one hundred two win for the Bucks. What were your takeaways from this game last night? Donis is. Thanasis's left-hand layup. Did you see that? For all the hate he gets, did you see that left-hand layup? No, I don't get it. No, I did not see that left-hand layup. What'd I tell you, man? This team just, their two top players just have more heart than the two top players for the Celtics, man. And I think in the playoffs, that will show. And I also believe, as playoff performance performers, I told you this a million times, I believe mm -hmm. in Dame and Giannis 
more than Jalen and Jason. And then another thing is, is like the health stuff. Like if one of the Celtics top six happened to get hurt, it's over, bro. It's over. Now, on the other hand, the Bucks need Middleton to play better. And he hasn't looked like Middleton. He's like, he's so skillful that he could like, be good enough to play in NBA games at this point, even with a knee that doesn't look a hundred percent. But I think Middleton's health really has to improve. Now there's no reports that he's unhealthy, but I just think that knee has to get better for them to win it in the East. He has to be better. Um, but look, if he's great, Michael Beasley shooting the ball a lot better lately. If you got Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez and Dame, I really like that four in the playoffs. And more importantly, like I just believe in, Giannis and Dame as playoff performers more than the two J's for the Celtics. I hear you on the top six for the Celtics being that being the, the main focal point for this team, because if those, if any one of those guys get hurt, then yeah, like if it's over, right. You lose Horford, it's over. You lose KP, it's over. Obviously you one of the J's, it's, it's over. over. Um, I just chalked this up to like a bad night for the Celtics, but I totally understand where you're saying, Hey, it's tough to believe in a team that has always just fallen just short of the expectation, right? Whether it was in the NBA finals, whether it's making it to the Eastern conference finals, losing to the Miami heat last year, losing to uh, the Warriors when they had a two, one lead in the series. I, to I totally hear you, Andrew. I can, under I can understand why there is skepticism in this Celtics team. But I have to look at the talent. It's like, I know we could talk about any team. Like, it comes down to health. You know, you talk about even last season. Giannis doesn't hurt his back. Probably the Miami Heat don't go on that run. Even well, if, it, shooting, if, it, if they, it's my narrative, that's why I go to the health. <laughs> if it's your, I get it. If it's your narrative, <laughs> if it's your agenda, you want the Bucks to go all the way. We get it. How much money do you put down on these guys, man? <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll stick to prize picks. How about that? Just, okay. you know, uh, two to six player projections. All right. <laughs> yeah, daily fantasy sports made easy. There you go. Daily fantasy <laughs> sports made easy. We're about to do that. We're, we're, we'll get more to our selections in just a bit, but Hey, I don't know, man. It's just like each team is allowed to have an off night. And look, this is the second night of a back to back for the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to chalk it up to that while the bucks came in with rest. So mm. yeah, man, that's a lot, how of, lot, lot, lot of excuses coming from Alex's side when it comes to this Boston Celtics team. I'm not trying to make excuses. This is like the last team I need to make excuses. Wait, for. you do live in Boston now. So maybe oh, that's what oh, oh, Yeah, okay. what's behind me though? It's a Walt Clyde Frazier jersey. There's no green and white outside I don't, of the New York Jets in here. I don't I don't think anybody could deny your Knicks fan of Alex. Don't worry about that. All right. Okay. Okay. But don't look at me just trying to support the I have to listen to enough people tell me, oh, the Celtics are great. Celtics are great every year, even when oh, they're not true. in it. Even that's when they're true. not in it, it's like, Isaiah, with Isaiah Thomas, we could win the NBA Finals. I'm like, against LeBron James, you're going to go through LeBron James to go get to the NBA Finals? Yes. Here's a good question for you. Who's better, IT or Brunson? IT Prime, Brunson now. Here we go, Brunson. Mm, I like it. I respect it. I think and it's, not, and it's not Nick's, it's not, my Knicks fandom, like IT, when you watch Brad Stevens and all the stuff he had to get IT getting downhill, like there was a lot of screens that he had to do, not really to get IT involved in that offense, to get the offense clicking. Could IT sometimes get into his ISO bag and not need a screen? Sure, but there was a lot of curls. There was a lot of stuff that they did, a lot of high pick and rolls to really get IT into his sets when you watch that Celtics team. Brad Stevens was a wizard for getting him into the top four of MVP MVP voting.
I think, you know, we talked about the complete basketball player thing with Jokic and Steph Curry. And I do believe Jalen Brunson, you know, scoring wise, it's probably pretty equal, right? Or you could give a slight edge to IT, but just all around basketball player, I would give it to Brunson too. I would, the thing like IT had some, had some speed, but it wasn't like when I watched, like when I watched IT and like King of the Fourth, like he would knock down some really difficult shots, man. He would. It was, he it would. was like really difficult. It was some really difficult shots. Brunson can knock down difficult shots, but he can create some. It's just like the physicality of Brunson and one of the best. Brunson's one of the Brunson's one of the best post players in the league. That's the thing. Like it, yeah. his ability to create his own shot more frequently than it is mm -hmm. why I give it to Brunson. Where, like, look, shout out to it because that team was what him Bradley, uh, Mook. You had a lot of these guys who were like you had Al Horford on the team. Like it was, yeah. There was a cast of characters that it was carrying on that team. Yeah, and neither are Mark pure point guard on that team too. Yeah, neither are pure point guards, but I do like Brunson's PG skills better than it's as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with Brunson in in, in that one. Chad, what do you, who do you think? Is it Isaiah Thomas? Or is it Jalen Brunson? We're probably going to get a lot of Jalen Brunson because we have a lot of Knicks fans tuning into the show. But yes. <laughs> give us your honest opinion. Give us your honest opinion. Shout out to Jero712. He's like, Alex, I hear that all the time in Connecticut as well. All of a sudden, a quarter of everyone I know became a Celtics fan. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something about Connecticut, okay, for a second. Ooh, that Connecticut state, rant. Here we go. That state, man. Disgusting in how you can just – it could be a Patriots fan, Yankee fan, Celtics fan. It's all over the place. I have – you, they get to choose whatever they want. UConn, huh? UConn fans. UConn, UConn fans. I mean, that's fine. They're that's that's in the state. But I'm saying like they're between two of the biggest oh, cities. Oh, I see what you're saying. They're, yeah. two, they're between two of the biggest cities. So you're like, I'm gonna be a Yankees fan. I'm gonna be a Patriot. Like, there's too many Yankee Patriots fans for my liking. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Gamba, shout out to Gamba. He's like, Jesus, the whole state though, nasty work. Nasty, nasty work. work. Yeah, nasty work. I'm going I'm going in on Connecticut. Look, guys, if you're closer to New York, you choose the New York teams. If you're closer to Massachusetts, you choose the New England teams. That's how it should be. None of this. Look, man, I'm like 10 minutes in coming from the Massachusetts board. I'm seeing Yankee flags. I'm seeing Patriots flags all over the place. Strange place, man. Strange place. But hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. But we got we got other we other got we got other blocks in this in this uh in last night's docket, man. I mean, we can also go to we can uh we can also go to the uh Thunder Portland Trailblazers game where I don't even know what's going on with the Trailblazers. It's like they decided to take off this week and just <laughs> not do anything. It was insane. You had OKC just routing the Portland Trailblazers 139 to 77. And for me, when I watch this team, when I watch the Trailblazers, like OKC, awesome team. We 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 give a lot of kudo, a lot of credit to the to the Thunder team for how talented they are and and their depth. But watching Portland play, I mean, you talked about it, Andrew, where it's just where you just have Scoot, who is it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get caught up with uh, the the play style of the NBA. You know, Shannon Sharp didn't shoot well last night. Anthony Simons didn't shoot well last night. Jeremy Grant didn't shoot well. Like, this team is just so discombobulated right now. I check. This is a team that I think you need to – this is a team where I think you really need to 
look, this is why we talk about trading Jeremy Grant. I think you need to trade Jeremy Grant. You need to trade Malcolm Brogdon, who did not play yesterday. He, for rest reasons, I think he's going to trade ASAP. Um, and just let the kids play, man. Just let the kids play. Maybe even trade Matisse Thibel because he's got some value around the league as a defensive stopper. So I think this is a I think this is a team where you need to just trade all your players in the sense of Jeremy Grant, Matisse Thibel, Malcolm Brogdon, and just let the kids run because they need a lot more. And, and none of those three guys I named is saving this team. Yeah, but. Don't you think from their perspective, Tybal might be the guy that they want to keep because of the improved shooting, how elite he is defensively. Like he might be a mix with their young core, a great mix. Uh, Brogdon definitely needs to go. Like that's like the Eric Gordon thing all over again. Like just staying on a team that where he shouldn't be. Yeah. Brogdon definitely needs to go. And that's why you hear rumors. I mean, I, I covering the Knicks, Blazers game, we had a lot of fans in the chat saying, oh, I don't necessarily want Brogdon because he didn't play well. I'm like, guys, I would not play well, too, if I was on that team. I would add, I would do everything in my power not to play a lot of minutes, save my body, so that way I can go to a contender. He just went from the he, – he traded from this – he got traded from the Celtics to the Blazers, man. That is such a demotion. I watched him play versus the Brooklyn Nets, and he absolutely took over that game in overtime. Not from a standpoint where he's creating everything, but just like he made it look so easy. It was like three threes at a layup, like nothing. That guy's like a true pro. You know, talk about effortless buckets. Um, We talked about Kyrie effortless buckets. That guy could effortlessly score the basketball, and then he has some game-managing skills as well. He's just like a legitimate pro. And just last season, um, sixth man of the year. Yeah. Six man of the year. He definitely has value. I think the Trailblazers need to move him. Like I guess you can keep Matisse Thibel because, but he's also yeah he could fit that timeline. He's twenty six years old. You can yeah. leave him as a three and D player. I, I agree with your improved shooting. I could see why. I could see if the Blazers are on the fence about him, but I would try to get as much draft capital just to retool around Scoot, Anthony Simons, uh, Shadon Sharp, like and just see what I can get. I mean, you also like the other issue is that you have. I'm going to ask you this. Because they got two centers in uh what is it? They got Robert Williams and you got DeAndre Ayton out there. Both of them are injured right now. Williams out for the season. Which would you rather keep? Who would you trade? You can't trade Williams. With how many injuries he's had? Who's taking him? He's a good defensive center. I mean, not no, he's a, he's a he's a great I mean, he was great for Boston when he was with them and healthy, but the guy yeah. just can't stay healthy, unfortunately. So right. I don't know how much value he has. Um, Aiden hasn't been great, but I do believe there's more value just because of the health. You know, um, yeah, it's tough with Williams, man. It's sad. It's kind of sad. Like, he's just been plagued by injuries. Yeah. Plagued by injuries. So I think, like, with, with Williams, you almost have to keep him and hope, I think. That's a lot of, I don't know. I feel like they should try, like, if he's healthy next season, I think you try to move one of those centers. Well, yeah, you have to let him play like for the first 20 games or something, you know, and play yeah. well. Yeah. But I don't think he had, do you think he has much value at this point with all those injuries? Like you can't, it's hard to trade somebody when they're not even available right now, you know? Yeah. He's not going to get traded this season because yeah. no one's going to trade for an injured guy. Yeah. Um, unless they want to sell like extremely well on him, which I don't see them doing, but right. I agree with you. Like you have him play like 20 games next year. You move one of them by the deadline and then you call it a day. You probably keep Aiton just because of the health. Like, he's been more healthy than Robert Williams. But 
Uh, I think I think it's a good I think I think that's a good conversation if you're in the Portland Trailblazers front office to say I, do you want more defense at your five or do you want to have the possibility of giving Aiden more responsibility on offense? So I don't know Aiden personally, but he seems so aloof. Like he seems like a great person, but it doesn't feel like he knows like the NBA is a serious thing. You know what really threw me off when that video clip of him and Mo Bamba. Okay. When they got drafted, and they were just like playing the air guitars on those inflatable. Th- I was like, "I'm good, man." <laughs> it's There's like something about that video. I was like, "No, absolutely not." Like you had, like he wanted his opportunity to have his own team. Like I kind of get it. He was the fourth option of the Suns. He still feels like he's still young. Maybe in his head, he believed he could become a max player as you know an option uh, closer to number one. Even though on this team, he'd never be a number one option with Anthony Simons. But like maybe. In theory, he could have been a number two, like, right? Like, why not take this situation really seriously? Like, I, he just seems like, yeah, I'm out here. You know, I'm playing basketball. Like, kind of like going to the gym to get some cardio or some rec. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is the NBA. Hey, man, this is why, this is what the, this is this is the Blazers issue, man. They got to figure that out. He's got to, this is why the Suns were able to move off of him too, right? Because they wanted somebody a little more mature to go in that direction of competing for a championship title. And let's talk about the Suns right now. Because they whooped the Los Angeles Lakers yesterday. Bradley Beal had a good game, had over 30 points last night. Uh, you have your big three for the Phoenix Suns finally returning. They get a solid win against the Los Angeles Lakers. And then the Lakers, you know, after they went on a two-game winning streak, dropped this one. You believe in the Suns now, Andrew, after watching Bradley Beal? Go- no. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think Bradley Beal does bring them something that even Booker and Katie doesn't have from an athleticism standpoint, like that burst to get to the rim. And I think that's part of the reason that and him being a three-level scorer is part of the reason why he led the NBA in scoring. Like, I think he's a great player, but I don't believe in the Suns' depth, and I think there's too much redundancy in the skill set of the top three players, even though Bradley Beal does bring them something a little bit different in terms of like his burst and putting pressure on the rim. Yeah. I'm still not a believer because they just need, the, they need the time on the court in order to get into rhythm. Yeah. Uh, the depth is fine. I just think if you don't, if, and this is the thing, like Bradley Beal is healthy right now. Katie could be injured tomorrow. Book could be injured tomorrow. Like this, both, all three of these players, more so Katie and book. You just never know when an injury is, going to happen to either one of those players if they get enough reps and I, I could see them going to the second round but i think for that team like offensively they're they're awesome but i think there's still a learning curve for this team that they have to go through in order to get into that rhythm yeah i mean like i said like if they could get everything together and bring in some more pieces in the offseason i think next year and the biggest question is can all three of them stay healthy and play together i think next year is the time where it's more of like championship or bust. Like I don't even believe in this team as championship contenders from the beginning of us finding out that Bradley Beal would be part of that trio. Like, and just the roster that they had. Now I do like the additions of Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen. Like I like those additions. Grayson Allen is shooting it really well this season, but it's just like, you don't just throw players together and win a championship against a team like the Denver Nuggets, you know, even if they do make it far, like, I don't know. I don't see. I don't see it them beating a Denver Nuggets team led by 
Jokic and just having those pieces around Jokic that fit so well and the culture right. they're building. And, you know, the, the Nuggets could take another leap if MPJ could shoot it better in the playoffs. Like, he didn't even shoot it great last year. He Imagine, did not at all. He was a, he was a no-show in the finals. Exactly. So even if he shoots it at an okay level, like better than he did last season, that makes now I know they lost Bruce Brown. Okay. But I think that makes them even more dangerous when you added that movement shooter making shots. And he's still young. Like he could play better with this experience in the playoffs and shoot it better. And you still got Christian Braun who who essentially does the same thing as yeah. Brown. So Malone's been was smart enough to include Brown uh Brown in that uh in that rotation last year to get him that experience. So I don't see the Nuggets taking a step yeah. back, but for the Suns, you know, 20 and 18, you think they're going to be in the top six when it's all said and done, said and done. Probably not. Probably not. You, they, you yeah. see them as a playing team. Yeah. I'd okay. say around there. And, and like what, like maybe eight seed, if they all stay healthy, seven seed. Okay. Yeah. What do you okay. think? What do you think, Alex? I think they could, I think they could get to six. I think they could get to six. I mean, the, the, the to me, their competition is the Mavericks. I don't see the Pelicans staying at six right now. Okay. I just think they're too up and down as a team because of Zion, of uh, the reliability of Zion. I think Ingram, like I, Ingram's awesome. But reliability in Zion in terms of health or in terms of the way he's playing? Both. Okay. <laughs> like he's he's been healthy this season, but his play also needs to really take a, a step up to be that. Like for who he is, he should be playing at a higher level than he is right now. Um, yeah. And then for the Mavs, we discussed it, but I think they're just too top heavy of a team where they need that third option to really solidify them being a top six team. That's why they're up and down. You see, like they're in this, they're in this range of just tightly contested between like the Clippers, Kings, Pelicans, Mavs, like between four and seven, it can go in either direction. Like Nuggets, OKC, Timberwolves, that's your set three, in my opinion. It's everybody else for the last three of the top six that could really be jumbled around with the Suns and the Mavericks. So if the Mavericks I can see the Mavericks being a play-in team. I give the Suns a six. I can see them being the six if they all stay healthy. Obviously, with the mon- with the caveat as if they all stay healthy, I can see them getting the six spot. Okay. I just don't trust the Pelicans that much. Um, That's fair. And then on the Lakers side, you get this L. Man. Lakers fans, Lakers nation going through it, man. You get two solid wins. Now you're going back. They've lost five of their last seven games. That's tough, man. That's tough. After after winning the play-in tournament, they have done more losing than they have won. They've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They've got they've had eleven losses and one, two, three, four, five wins. They've gone eleven. They've are five and eleven. Yeah, in the uh, last you know, sixteen, everybody points to the Suns' health issues. I mean. The Lakers have had their health issues as well, but what has been encouraging is seeing AD and LeBron still playing at a high level, and especially LeBron. And we see they could flip that switch. They did it in the in-season tournament. I know everybody makes fun of the in-season tournament with the banners and all that stuff, but they can flip a switch when they want, and you should never count the LeBron James team out. You, sh- you shouldn't. You see, you just you just see the Dejounte Murray rumors starting to ramp up even more. Looks like we gotta that's find the guy. we gotta find that clip of me talking about them back to the Spurs, and then that that report came out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, man. They need a point guard. They need a point guard. Yeah, I mean, think about the difference between him and Sohan at the PG. 
And I like well, so they, they they went back to Trey Jones. Exactly, <laughs> They're like, okay, exactly, yeah. They we did, can't yeah. do that. We need a point guard, guys. We yeah, got to be respectable now. <laughs> and, and more Wemby at the five, which has been good. You know, he's been yep. eating at the five. So, yep. yeah, yeah. So the Lakers, whew, five and eleven in their last sixteen. That is tough, man. That's tough for an eighty LeBron team, and they need. I think Dejounte is going to be that guy. I don't know. I don't know if Levine's that guy. Who would you between okay, let me ask you this. Between Levine and DeJounte, who would you go with if you're the Lakers? Levine. You're going with Levine over DeJounte. I think he's a better fit next to LeBron. I see. I, the, I'm gonna go with DeJounte because I think they need a I think they need another guy who's on ball who can create. Really? Because like in the playoffs, LeBron's gonna have the basketball a lot. And we see Trey Young is a player that needs the basketball a lot. And that didn't really mesh well. Now, I know Trey and LeBron are totally different players, but I do think you need DeJounte in a place where they need a point guard. Like the Clippers would have been a nice fit before this Harden thing. You know, like they had two wing stars that needed a table setter. And that's exactly what they got with James Harden. Now, James Harden is better than DeJounte, but that would have been a nice fit for DeJounte. I think when you have a player like LeBron, you don't need a guy that needs the basketball a lot, right? Um, if if he does need the basketball, he could also play off the ball really well as well. We saw with Trey, it didn't really work. I think they He's need a- another guy defensively who can knock down shots. I think when they, if you go down through like the pros and cons of each player, I think you just look at offense. For, you look at offense and off ball for Levine, not necessarily a guy who I would look at as a creator. And then when I think of like what the Lakers need, I think they need a guy who can create when they need to wrestle Braun. That's not really what... Like they use Dilo in those instances, but then they need another guy who could play defense. And then Dejounte's been shooting well from three. I think they give you it gives you the shooting, the defense, and the creating that you need, especially when you have like they use Reeves off the bench to be that instant score. Yeah, but I think they need another guy who can just because not LeBron doesn't necessarily like I don't look at LeBron like the guy at this point of his career where he always wants the ball in his hand. I think he does that just because if he doesn't, you have to trust Dilo, and that's not the guy I necessarily want to trust, but. I think for the Lakers, you gotta go with, you gotta go with, with Murray over Levine. I like uh, Caruso's fit better than um, mm-hmm. Dejounte, and and Dejounte and Dejounte's a better basketball player. But well, obviously we know we like the Caruso Lebron fit. But even in this new team, like you know, it's more of a thing where like he could play off the ball a little bit, he could play on the ball, and he's a versatile defender. I just feel like Dejounte Murray needs a team that they give him the keys, you know, yeah. to be the best version of Dejounte. Um, and, and I think Levine could possibly break the game wide open for the Lakers, like in terms of like that Tugar who is truly, you know, Levine's almost all-star level. Like he is an all-star level player. And if you have that at the two position with this team, he could shoot the ball, even though he doesn't shoot at a high volume from three, he could shoot that three that they always need. And why can't, why can't Zach Levine be like their souped up version of J.R. Smith? Like that fit really well with LeBron back with the Cavs, you know? It did. Um, I just keep going back to it, though, Andrew. Like, I feel transition like transition is nice, right? With LeBron and Zach Levine running in transition. I see it. I can totally see it. There's like the new D Wade and LeBron. Like, can you see it? <laughs> Levine and yeah. LeBron? That, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking those two. <laughs> Oh man! All right, Andrew. Let's do, right. let's give us let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks, man. Before we go into the last segment of the show, 
Salute to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Make sure to use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. Guys, I love using Prize Picks. When I when I watch the games and I want a little bit more action, just to, you know, from a from a nice put money down the line standpoint, I like using Prize Picks. Such an easy app to use. They give you a bunch of different categories to choose from, regardless of the sport, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA. You could talk about soccer. They have you covered with every single sport, with every different category. You can choose either uh, more or less than, right? So for tonight, this is my selection for the NBA slate that we got going on. So for my first selection, I chose Kobe White. He's been shooting the ball really well over the last few games. I chose him for more than 20 and a half points. Next selection I made is Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets are going against New Orleans Pelicans. I love choosing Jokic for more than 46 points, rebounds, assists. He's just an automatic guy when it comes to points, rebounds, and assists. I like choosing that category for him. He does it all. We were just talking about how great of a player is he is. He does every single facet of the game. Rebounding, scoring, facilitating. He's that engine. And the <laughs> man, the Nuggets go as far as Jokic goes. All right. So I'm That's choosing right. him for more than 46 points, rebounds, and assists. I then going with Steph Curry, less than four and a half three pointers made. Steph Curry has has he's shooting fine for who he is as Steph Curry, but he hasn't had that Steph Curry, I'm gonna shoot eight of ten from downtown yet. He, in my opinion, he's been in a little bit of what I would call his Curry slump. So I see him making less than four and a half three-pointers. My last choice is Clint Capella. The Hawks are facing the Indiana Pacers yet again. Capella being a solid rebounder. Pacers are without Tyrese Halliburton. I think they're going to struggle. And I think Clint Capella is going to be able to get more than ten and a half rebounds going against Miles Turner tonight. So that's my sheet for tonight's slate. Andrew, where are you going? Shouts the prize picks actually won yesterday. Oh, Malik let's go. That. Look at that. All right. Two for so two. He, Malik Beasley over 8.5. He killed that with 16 points. I went Chet Holmgren over 17.5. He had 19. So got a win there. But today's prize picks, we're going to go and start with Detroit versus Houston. I got Jaden Ivy going less than 18.5 points. Jalen Green versus Detroit. I'm going less than 4.5 rebounds. Alperin Shangoon will be playing against Detroit. One of the best passing bigs in the league. I'm going to go over 5.0 assists. And DeJounte Murray, I just talked about his point guard skills and a team needing him. Him needing a team to give him the keys. Their play gets Indiana, who haven't been known for their defense this season. So the projection is at 5.0 assists. I will go more than on that. Shouts to Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports. There you go. Shout out to Prize Picks. Use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. All right, Andrew. Let's go through these questions, these midseason questions I got for you. Rapid fire. I want your takes on all this. First question I got for you. Mm -hmm. Which team has not met expectations so far this season? Wow. That's a good one. I would say the Brooklyn Nets. Ooh, really? Why? Yeah, I thought they would be better this season with their what felt like depth at the beginning of the season. And Mikel Bridges having such a great year last year. I feel like he could uh, I felt like he was gonna take even another leap with their 
you know, full slate. I thought, honestly, I thought Ben Simmons would be a factor, and that has proved to be untrue. And I thought they would be a little bit better than this, and the struggles have been very apparent. Um, I think they're definitely underachieving. Who do you have? I like that pick. I, I'm between two teams. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. I think the Atlanta Hawks have not met their expectations. I mean, they got Quinn Snyder, who they signed last year, right? That was supposed to help this team take another level. Then you have DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, who's still your backcourt. That hasn't been working out. I just feel like for a team that was in the Eastern Conference Final not too long ago, every single year they have fallen short of those expectations every single year. And this year it's just, they're not even in the playing tournament right now. If the season were to end today, they're 15 and 21. They made that big trade for DeJounte Murray because they thought that that was the next guy that you needed to add next to Trey to somebody defensively after moving off a herder. And it just has not worked out for them at all. I'm looking at the Atlanta Hawks as a team that has been underwhelming this season. And that's why you hear them in all these trade rumors because they're trying to figure it out. You know, Landry Fields trying to figure out how to fix this team. It's just been a disappointment every season for the Atlanta Hawks. Former Nick Landry Fields, huh? Former Nick Landry Fields. Hey, Landry, what are you doing over there, man? Not, not, <laughs> not looking too good, man. Not looking too good. Nasty work over there, Landry. It is nasty work, all right? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, they have Trey Young, who's supposed to be like this transcendent player, really good, but... It's just been underwhelming watching that team play, man. Very underwhelming. Next question I got for you, Andrew. Which team has exceeded your expectations this season? Well, they didn't exceed my expectations, but they exceeded everybody else's expectations because I talked about this team at Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas with my guy Ooh. Nick Diaz of the Veterans Minimum. I talked about the Houston Rockets because I thought that Alperin Shangun, baby Jokic, could take another leap and they should start building around him. I love that they brought in veteran players like Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet, and that has showed their presence in the locker room and on the court has been really apparent with Dylan Brooks coming off an amazing FIBA performance against Team USA, and he just rode that right into the regular season, making better decisions than ever before. I think all that talk on the internet about him going to China was absolutely ridiculous. And he showed that he's a really good basketball player and got even better this season. So they've been playing really well with those veterans added into the mix. And they got some guys that haven't even got opportunity yet. Um, Cam Whitmore started playing a little bit more now, and he's been playing really well. And amen, because how good their team is, he's getting more opportunity. So he could start showing himself in the second half of the season. I love everything that the Houston Rockets and Coach Udoka has been doing. I like that selection. I like that selection. I'm going with the Orlando Magic for mine, Andrew. Mm. I like the Orlando Magic as my team that has exceeded expectations because a team last year that was not even in the plan, they had a losing record last year. You could see that they were able to compete, but it was just, they. it felt like they needed something more from that team, but they didn't even do anything outside of really drafting players. They just really relied on their like internal development from Paolo Banchero. Uh, you have also... Jalen Suggs has been playing much better this season, right? I like how Markel Fultz has had a nice little comeback story. Cole Anthony playing really well as well. Franz Wagner, like 
all those guys right there have been really solid this season and really taken a step up in their development. I mean, we know Paul and Franz were going to be the two cornerstones for that team moving forward, but Jalen Suggs starting to hit the ball nice with his jumper and then offer that defensive, you know, being that defensive hound that he was coming out of college. That's really been a good turnaround for this Orlando Magic team. And look, they're not even a good three-point shooting team, but they compete on a nightly basis for what their strengths are. And I like that. I like that about this team. And then the draft selection of Anthony Black, a guy who I know everyone likes to say that Lonzo ball comparison because he could be that connector. But defensively, Mm -hmm. I like the way he can also facilitate. He's just been a nice addition too. I like what the Magic have done this season as a team. They're competing night in and night out. They're a fun team to watch, man. They're a nice, fun team to watch. Do you get some shooting on that team? Oh my God, they're going to be so different. You know what I love about that team is that they're going to fit a different type of archetype in the sense that when they start to really be successful and make the playoffs, all the debate shows are going to be talking about like who's Batman and who's Robin when it comes to Franz and Paulo. I think those two guys are going to, and this rarely happens in the NBA, are going to both be 1A guys on the same team. Like, I don't think you'll be able to distinguish who is the top guy and who is it. And I think in the modern NBA with so much talent, that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I like I like the work mostly is done with that team. He has that guy, he has all those guys locked in for the magic. Yes. Defensively has been a focus and it's been great. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Which team will surge in the second half of the season? The New York Knicks will continue to surge. Wow. You're going with my New York Knicks. Appreciate it. In the second half of the season. And I love everything I'm seeing with the OG fit. But another reason for it is that guy iHeart is getting more opportunity mm. and playing really well on both sides of the floor. High impact on the defensive side, which you know Tibbs loves, but he's also that connective piece on the offensive side, playing that Draymond type role, connecting their two isocentric stars in a yeah. great way. And I think that fit is just awesome with Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. Would you consider Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson Jalen Brunson isocentric, Alex? Yeah, I would. Okay. I would. Now they're, they're both like both of them play a lot of isolation basketball. That's and for the way Tibbs runs, I mean, you can just go back to even the Chicago Bulls days, even though I mentioned on the last show, yeah, Tibbs ran uh, a version of the triangle system. He relied on Derek Rose to be one of those, be one of those creators, right? Like he looked at him for his main source of offense. So Tibbs has always done this. I even think about the time when the Bulls took down the Brooklyn Nets. He had Nate Robinson playing point guard for that team. Uh, it's there's a lot of isolation in a Tibbs offense. He likes to live in that early 2000 basketball mold, which it's why, like, is there a little bit of modernness to this offensive game? Sure, we're, we're, he's accepting the three-point shooting, but there's still a lot of ISO basketball on his teams. I wonder, like, how he would, like, he, you know, we... I always feel like this team miss is missing like movement shooting. And I mean, Fournier is a guy who could kind of do that, but he'll never get opportunity with Tibbs, right? Because of the defense. But even if he had a guy like Kevin Herter or Duncan Robinson, like how would he use them? I have no idea, but that's the whole point of like what Grimes is. Supposed to, I mean, that's, we can go back to the heat Knicks uh, playoff series in game six, where you had, he, he called a play for Grimes to be a movement shooter, like in the cor- right corner three. I was like, that's not something Grimes has done ever during this regular season. Why are we calling that play as he's falling away as a it, strange stuff? And that's something that Grimes was working on this off season. You know, you're going be, with the New York Knicks. You know, who would be a really nice fit for them. Even though so, he does, uh, he's a little bit older for a rookie, Jordan Hawkins. Hmm. 
movement shooting. Did you, he he was performing early on in the NBA season, like his ability to get shots off at volume with shooting a solid percentage is really impressive. I think he's going to be in the NBA for a long time to come, making some impact as a movement shooter. That's an interesting look. That that'd be an interesting look. I'm going to go with the Clippers, man. I think the Clippers are going to surge. They are surging. Like are, the Knicks, like the Knicks in a way. They're 24 and 13. They're playing, they're playing well. I just think that they're going to go to another level right Ooh. now. They're, I think it's going like I told you how it's tight between four, five, six, and seven. I think they're going to solidify a top four spot. And then we're really just going to be able to get a five, six as the last two spots. I think they're the team that's really going to surge. Like they're on a they're seven and three in their last 10 games. I know they won. What was it? They went on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They went on a nine-game winning streak. Okay. They went what nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14. They've they had they went 14, 15, 16. They won 16. They won 16 games and only lost three. They're 16 and three. So yeah, they're technically surging right now, but I think it's only gonna get better for the Clippers as they go through. So outside of Denver, who do you have? as having the best chance to win the West. Best chance to win the West? Uh, I said Timberwolves. I'm going to stick with Timberwolves. Okay. Yeah. And then you would go Clippers after that or OKC? Clippers, then OKC. Yeah. I want to see Clippers. I want to see Clippers at OKC. OKC play, I, I want to see OKC versus either the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Clippers because I want to see SGA take out some future Hall of Famers. And that's when his name becomes a household name by casual basketball fans. Like we all know about SGA, but just the guys that the people that tune in just to like the postseason and the finals, like I want them to learn about SGA. Yeah, for sure. I want them to learn about SGA as well, but yeah. I'm going to go with the Clippers. As I said, I know they're winning a lot of games right now, but I only think that they've only, I think they're only scratching the surface uh, of how good they really can be. Like yeah. that's, I know it's, it's like saying this team's going to be, it's, this team's already good. How could I think they're going to be greater than what we're we're seeing right now? Yeah, I mean Kawhi's playing at a high level right now. High level, absolutely high level. All right, what team has cooled off the most? I mean, the obvious answer is the Lakers. I mean, they raised the banner, and now they're struggling. <laughs> so um, they've cooled off right now. But as I said, like I'm not as concerned about them. As the Warriors, the Warriors never cooled off because it's been bad all year. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I would definitely say the Lakers, you know, raising that first in-season tournament banner. I, I was just joking about it a little bit right now. But look, man, like that was impressive. I thought that was impressive how they just like flipped the switch and won that. And now they're struggling again. This seems to be a disconnect between Darvin Ham and the players. And we'll see how they move forward with that. And if they make any moves within the trade zeitgeist. I, I agree with you. I think it's the Lakers that's cooled off the most. Um, they start off the season really well. Like I said, they're losing a lot of games. Um, you have all the controversy between Ham, talk about needing DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine. They need to make a trade. You hear D-Well, Rui Hachimura in trade rumors. I, I think that team has really, the team has cooled off. They, yep. That team has cooled off from that in-season tournament. And, who knows? Maybe they go on another magical run like they did last year, but there's a lot of soul searching that's needed in that Lakers locker room right now. All right. We kind of have an idea who all the contenders are. 
You know, we could talk about Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, uh, Wolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers, and all those teams. We kind of have an idea for both East and West uh, where they are. So who's the pretender, Andrew? Who is the pretender? And then we can get out of here. Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns are your pretender. Hell yeah, the Phoenix Suns are pretenders. I mean, didn't Vegas have them like number one in the I think they did. Yeah, they did have the number one. Come on, man. Those guys never had a chance to win a championship. You could clip this because you won't be able to bring it back later to aggregate me or whatever they do on the internet these days. That team is not a contender. You don't just throw guys together who have the same style of play and think you could win a championship in the first year, you know? And then you got the health concerns on top of that. But even if they stay healthy, that team is not winning a championship. In full health, do they have any chance at all to beat the Denver Nuggets? Uh, No, they don't. Yeah, no, no way. I, they, I want to see them. I would love to see them versus OKC in full health. I hope they stay healthy the rest of the season. Ooh, get the Kevin Durant OKC. Ooh, my God, get the bad blood boiling. Okay. Get SGA to take them out. That's what I want to see. That'd be fun. You got to admit, that'd be fun. Andrew wants to see the smoke. Pretenders. Who, who do you have as pretenders, Alex? Suns are a good choice, man. Suns are a really good choice. Well, because they are the pretenders, but go ahead. They are. Uh, I'm going to go with... Man. Oh, he can't go, go with, with the, the 76ers, man. I was about to say he can't go with the Bucks anymore after last night. <laughs> nah, 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 I'm not going to go with the Bucks. I think the 76ers are pretenders in all honesty. I like Maxi. I like Embiid. Um, they need another piece, but it's Embiid, man. It's Embiid that needs to get over the hump. I mean, he's injured right now. I don't know. Uh, like, I think they're a really good team. I like them as a duo. I think they're so dynamic. I think Embiid's playing at a whole other level. But there's just something about that roster where I look at it. I'm like, there's something more that it needs. Is it Siakam? Is it a Jeremy Grant? I feel like that's one of the two moves that is needed for that team to really take it to another level. But when I look at what they could be, like I could think of them being a team that could beat the Bucks. I don't really see them, even though they did beat the Celtics earlier this year, I don't see them being the Celtics, a fully healthy Celtics team. I think they just have Joel Embiid's number. I feel like you need somebody else they can go to. And I think it's still too early in Maxi's like stardom, like being a, like one of the two dogs to lead a team. I still think it's too early in his career to do that. I think if it was like next season, I could be a little more bought in on the Sixers being that type of team, but I think they're a little bit more pretenders to me right now. Hypothetically, what would you want to see more? Nick Nurse coach the Sixers team with James Harden or Wemby play at OKC? Instead of chat. I'm trying to repeat that one more time. It's so random. I don't know yeah. how I get this up in my head. Would you rather see Nick Nurse coach a James Harden team of the Sixers last year or Wemby play for OKC instead of Chet? Wow. These are good, these are good questions. Uh, I don't think Nick Nurse would have gotten a lot out of James Harden. Uh, I, so think I, Nick gonna... Nurse, I think Nick Nurse has been fantastic this season. Don't get, I think he's fantastic. I think you need players that will buy into Nick Nurse and who are not. I think James Harden is a little bit more selfish than he is team bought in at times. Like Tyler's doing a great job having him focused for right now, but we've seen this way too many times. Go to a new team, James Harden's focused and all bought in. The next thing you know, it just flips the script. Say, no, 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 no. I don't like the situation anymore. I'm going to lead more towards, I'd like to have seen Wemby and OKC. I wonder how that's going to look, right? 
I wonder how huh? that team would have looked with Wemby. Like, I love Chet. Obviously, the Chet yeah, thing has sure. worked out fantastic. And I thought he should have been the number one pick in the in that draft, even though Paulo is playing great as well right now. But I, I've always been really high on Chet. But it would have been interesting to see Wemby in a winning construct and see, like, if their record would be any different, you know? It'd be really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Last one, and then we got uh, – I know you got to get out of here. Who would you rather have? Dennis Schroeder, D'Angelo Russell. Which team? In the vacuum. <laughs> Man, that's tough. Internationally, Dennis Schroeder in the NBA, D'Angelo Russell. Ooh, okay. Yo, Fe yo Fe Fieber Schroeder's he is tough, man. Yeah. I think I'm going with Schroeder all day over D'Angelo Russell. No, it doesn't matter the play style. You, you know what I like about D'Angelo Russell? You need guys that could just get a shot up, a clean look whenever they want. And that's what's... He could do you know, that. You know, and that's what the Lakers lacking a little bit right now. He, he's been injured, you know. I think, like, he's undervalued in that way. Like, everything's helter-skelter. We're not really running any offense. Like, just get a clean look up. He could do that. And there, there's lots of players that can't do that at the level of D'Angelo Russell in, in the NBA. I like Schroeder just because I think he's been... Like, I like his playmaking. I like how he can get guys... Like they're different. He, they're they're, they're, they're very guard. different. Yeah, they're yeah. very different. But I feel like they're at that same like level where it's like, all right, who do I do I want Schroeder on this team or do I want to deal on like what do I need? I feel like they're at that same level of like quality. Where does Spencer fit in with those two? Spencer Didwitty. Uh I'd take Oh God. It's a good oh, one. No. It's a good it's a good give me Dennis Schroeder all over both of those guys. I think oh, I'm going gosh. Schroeder, Dilo, and then Spencer Dinwitty. That is my order right there. Even Prime Spence, when he was playing good with the Nets, like, he's tough. I thought he was pretty tough. He was pretty tough, but it was like, yeah, I'm going with Schroeder, man. That's what uh, I'm going with. Right, but, Andrew, right. great show as always. Appreciate NBA Nation for tuning another episode of the NBA Report. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, we're on every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We had to go a little bit earlier today, so thank you all for tuning in. All right, make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Find us anywhere you want. And for Andrew and myself, you see the handles. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well using those ats. And yeah, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to support our sponsor, Prize Picks. Use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. We'll catch you next week. Tune in. We out.